Welcome to the Desire Triptych. Desire Triptych. Desire Welcome back to Life of Bi. This episode is the second part of our Desire Triptych, <laughs> which was inspired by a question our listener Hyacinth asked. I'm curious what people are finding attractive. Gender identity, gender expression or performance, or just people's physical bodies, or even all of the above. Thanks again, Hyacinth. Great question. So last month, we talked to Rob about that first spark when you meet someone you're attracted to. And if you haven't heard it yet, you should go back and listen because it's a good one. It's a really good one. But yeah, we talked to us about that moment that has both been like heavily romanticized mm. and scientifically researched. That, that, that first eye contact Firework or yeah, energy with someone. But this week, we're bringing you Marco, who is a non-binary queer and dear friend of ours. Like us, they think a lot about sex. Mm -hmm. So we thought Marco would be a good person to put Hyacinth's question to. We started by asking them if they have a type. Uh, no, I actually don't have a type. Um, I really don't have a type actually <laughs> i think um sex is obviously and, and desire is so tied into like sense of self right and like so much of it is based on subconsciously is is based on like what you accept for yourself like for, for example lots of the um like ultra masculine um desires that play out on apps like grinder um are tied into misogyny and um kind of femphobia mm. and so like gay men uh, have written out or erased or tried to play down the femininity a lot of the time and that plays out in desiring men that are ultra masculine um and so there's a logic that my own journey to kind of living a more authentic version of myself and realizing that um who i am is like a happier person when i'm like not as stressed about the conditioning that I'm kind of having to live by or the, the gender expression that I mean, that's expected from me, um, as I kind of like ease into that and this more gender fluid, gender queer, relaxed person um, gets to kind of flex and be themselves. With that is like a releasing of some internalised femphobia, internalised shame, and then the next step is I'm like in a queer space and there's like a beautiful femme person and I'm unsurprisingly a thousand times more attracted to them than I would have allowed myself to be years before mm. but in your brain you don't know you're not allowing yourself to be attracted to them you just genuinely have internalized it so you're like I don't find that attractive I think that's stressful or gross or unattractive to me or tacky or whatever like problematic phrasing you mm. kind of embody in that moment mm. and then like lo and behold you know 10 years later you're macking them in the basement of Dawson Superstore I mean I think everyone would recognize this to a certain extent right because what yeah. basically Marco is saying is that you don't fancy the same people you fancied at school. Oh, yeah. I mean, do you? Um, if I still fancied the same people I fancied at school, I would be worried. 
I think that about some of the straight people who I was at school with who are still like in the same friendship group as they were. Mm. Like they're all, they're all still really good friends. And I think, wow, you haven't really done the same sort of self-exploration. Well, they probably have in other ways, but I, I couldn't still be friends with the people I no. was friends with then or fancy the people I fancy. So who then. did you fancy at school? What well, sort of describe your classic? Well, I think at school there's like a certain type of person you're allowed to fancy yes. because Hard it's agree. like you you're the people who are like almost marketed as as fanciable are the cool people mm-hmm. and there's something like unobtainable about them yeah and so when i was younger i fancied the cool people without interrogating whether i actually fancied them or whether they were just desirable because of like cultural Status. capital yeah cultural capital. <laughs> yeah i don't yeah. know if they had cultural capital actually they weren't that cultured i fancied a guy called william ginzo <laughs> He what was the blonde-haired darling of mm. the school, basically. Wow. He was smart. He was good at football. Yeah. He was attractive. Yeah. Would you still fancy them now? No. At all. I think I... Yeah. So I think that... Obviously, that changes. And then there's the people that you fancy, but you're kind of scared of acknowledging the fact that you fancy them at that age. Or you just don't recognise it as fancy. Exactly. Like close That's girlfriends. That's it, isn't it? That's it. It's the... Yeah. You only recognise it when you're so young, you only recognise a crush is a crush when that person is, like, eminently crushable. Mm. Otherwise, if you have those same feelings, for example, a teacher or um, a girl, so, let's say, mm-hmm. you wouldn't necessarily think that's what it was. Yeah, Because I had the same feelings for, like, mates, like, girl friends that I that was yeah, close with yeah, at school, yeah. but I just didn't recognise that. That as a romantic thing. Yeah. Or a sexual thing. Yeah. Yeah. Relatable. So Marco is mapping, we're talking about desire here, but it comes into identity because Marco's mm. like mapping the journey of their desire onto the same coordinates as their evolving identity. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of ridiculous, this idea of like having a fixed yes. type. Yeah. Because that would suggest a fixed identity. Yeah. Which goes against I mean, everything we know about people, but also especially queer people. Especially queerness, where it's like all about change and fluidity. And that's why I find like this Love Island question of like, what's your type? Yeah, it's so so funny and like very stupid because it's like, if we apply what Marco's saying here, then like a Love Islander's type probably hasn't changed since they were what, like 16? But I honestly <laughs> think that might be true. Do you think? Like all their girlfriends have just had like blonde hair and long legs. So it's like they've just learned a pattern and you kind Learned of hem yourself in. But I think pattern is the real yeah. key word there, which is like, I'd love to know, you know, what was the colour hair of all of their first girlfriends or first crushes? Yeah. And they've just established a pattern That's from nothing. That's the type, yeah. And so you're returning to, because there is this, sometimes there is this joke that like somebody just dates the same person over and over again. Yeah. Um, why are you smiling? I'm laughing because you've, you've told me that before about people I date. <laughs> Specifically men. Because <laughs> I'm all like, oh, I don't have a type, but like you, you are always able to point out men that I'll fancy. <laughs> I am actually. <laughs> so like, so yes, but hey guys, also. Do you want to know? <laughs> do you want to know what you have to do? Step one: shave your head. <laughs> do it now. If you fancy L, shave your goddamn head. It doesn't matter what gender you are; it'll give you, get you off a much better start. 
Um, so we are talking about how like, oh, you know, it's queer to not have a fixed type. But I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I definitely sometimes do. But did you fancy that when you were younger? Oh, no, of course not. No, because isn't part of the... Your type now is often like... I mean, you can't obviously tell the sexuality of a random guy that roams around. But normally it's like a a sort of queer leaning or queer sort of like faint smell of queerness yeah. on a sort of hipster... Yeah. Um, shaved head... Yeah. Like, got a bit of softness and strength to him, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, quite tall, like a gentle aura around yeah, this person. Yeah, yeah. But also, like, a groundedness. Yeah. It's basically you. <laughs> it's basically you. Oh, are we saying that we fancy sameness? The thing that I'm finding exciting at the moment is people that I'm I'm seeing i'm conscious of them like fucking with their own gender mm. or they're playing around with it or exploring it or queering things mm-hmm. and just existing and like that's really thrilling yeah mm. and so yeah i think there's a like a kind of um basically it's literally the like transness the or the kind of the non-binary mm. qualities mm-hmm. in a person conscious or unconscious you know, proactive or latent <laughs> that I find is like just slamming a button. Yeah, yeah. At the moment. And I'm just kind of like, oh, hello. Yeah, yeah, What's yeah. going on there? And like everyone does it to some extent or other because, you know, everyone's non-binary. They just haven't realised yet. So I, uh, that that's available on everyone. It's just when someone's like self-consciously, self-possessedly being like, yeah, I'm working against the expectations of the body I'm in or I'm choosing to present in a way that's actively disrupted for the space mm-hmm. um, and I don't have an iota of shame in the process mm-hmm. or they do but, you know, they're somehow still doing it anyway. That's, I'm finding that specifically deeply attractive at the moment mm. because it's a journey I'm on yeah. and mm. seeing someone else do that, being, be, you know, whether it's that they're further ahead than me or it's just something I recognise and I see it more clearly now. That's just, I love that. So Marco is in an open relationship with their long-term partner and they've spent the last year or so on an odyssey of sexploration through various hookups and flings and, of course, with their lommel. My favourite word. Mary's favourite word. Love of my life. Yeah. Love of their life. life. Yeah, yeah. Um, And unlike the scientists that we looked at last ep who spend their lives trying to condense human attraction into data and percentages so that it can be better understood... Mm. Marco's methods of research are more physical and so their findings are more nuanced and often unexpected. It's not that it's new discoveries, but like certain times I have had my body held in ways that are like brand new, that is, you know, is like the body, talking about bodies and being in the room together and just the, the, the euphoric surprise of like just being held differently by someone because your body's new to them or your agenda's new to them, that kind of stuff has mm. been really affirming. So there's a re- there is a big part of kind of sleeping with lots of different people that means that like you're being seen differently by lots of different people because they all see differently and they bring different expectations mm. and experiences to it. And the it's not just the full spectrum of what you can literally do in a bed with different people. It's that like by sleeping with lots of different people who have their own different experiences they have sex with you differently. And that's a really, really exciting um, way of discovering that the contours of your body 
are flexible and various and <laughs> a lot more um, fluid than even you've realised living in it for 28 years. Wow, it's amazing. It is amazing. Such an amazing thing to say. I know exactly what they're talking about. Do you yeah, want to... What's... I was going to ask, is, is that, do you have like a moment where someone has held you that's like surprised you about what it's told you about your own body? I think that's one of the reasons queer sex is like, yeah, I know exactly what they're talking about. It's really hard to put into words, though. They sort of did it. Mm. Like, they're talking very physically about how their body feels yeah. different in somebody else's hands. hands. I don't necessarily know that to the same extent but i know what they mean if it's about like power dynamics yeah um or who you are in relation to somebody else in terms of like your personality mm. and then having that in like a in a sort of queer sexual space as opposed to um like hetero presenting sex that is a massive there could be a massive difference there about how you feel in relation to the other person mm. I don't know, I'm also thinking about the days when I was having more one-night stands, which meant that, like, if it was sex with men... Obviously, this isn't always the truth, but mm. sex with cis men, um, I would say rarely that surprising. Yeah. Whereas, um, I think with queer sex, it feels like all... Like, you really don't know... There aren't the same train tracks necessarily. Yeah, there isn't really a map in the in the best way. Yeah, of how it's going to go, of how anything's going to go down. Where there is, as much as you try and fight it, there is a map for, and that and that can be you can move away from that. But I think on in one night stand mm. format, that that map is often often referred to by both. Yeah, <laughs> or several. Yeah, the blueprint. But I think also that's maybe something. People often also get maps in long-term sexual relationships too. That's true. So those train tracks can be there. And for different reasons. For different reasons, other patterns. Yeah. But this is about, Mark is talking about like the way someone holds you, the contours of your body. Yeah. Well, they're also about being seen differently by lots of people. But yeah, do you have that? Have you ever been held in a way which made you feel different? Yeah, I... I don't know if this like directly maps onto what Marco was saying, but there's ways uh, it's probably quite personal, but fuck it. He doesn't listen to the podcast anyway, but there's ways that Andrew <laughs> holds me that are totally unexpected or were totally unexpected. Um, I'm talking specifically about my belly yeah, and his love of my belly. Yeah. Which especially in like a het space, I was I was uh, much more used in like in like queer sexual encounters to having like my softness um, celebrated, and that was something I didn't think would ever happen with like a cis man. Yeah, <laughs> for some reason. I mean, I think it's amazing when listening to us talk about this language, sort of like slightly falters or mm. starts to break down. Yeah, at the. <laughs> At the altar of trying to, like, explain this. Yeah. Marco, however, is incredibly, <laughs> like, so fluid. It's like and they've been waiting think, to like, answer these really questions. They should be the ones hosting the podcast because <laughs> they can talk about it in some ways more articulately than, like, you yeah. or I can. But it's lucky we asked them. <laughs> <laughs> 
there is an aspect to this which is like it's been so long since I've slept with someone else that I actually can't remember yeah. <laughs> it's like those days of you know sleeping around well that's what I think is is like particularly amazing about Marco right is yeah a very um switched on queer person who like loves all the theory is interested in sex yeah and also is in a relationship where the exploration explore yeah plus they have grinder like i should technically be in the same position as marco but like god's sake it's hard to get a date on field yeah or to make anything move at the same like there's like velocity yeah there's momentum to that app as far as i'm concerned i've actually often been jealous of i'm so jealous of it in at least like in an amab queer space like grinder that is like catered towards amab people um th- there is yeah you're right it's just like this immediacy of like if you want to have sex with someone then you can seek them out whereas and yeah if you're too forward on field i feel like people back down even off. though it's meant to be the yeah. most straight up it's sex like, positive app but i feel like people still get yeah the wibbles if if, so, if somebody's like you're hot can we go for a date i've tried that before because i was so yeah bored of the chat and i really don't know what to say and you're never going to find anything else can somebody make um, a genderqueer, like, grinder-like app? I've got the name for you. Binder. <laughs> <laughs> you stole that from me. Did I? Yeah. I thought that was my idea. No. I really thought that was my idea. No. I came up with it. No, I'm sure I came up with it. I'm this sure is, I came up with it. This is the problem when you spend all your time with Hive someone mind. coming up with ideas. I swear to God, well, maybe we came up with maybe it together. Maybe we came up with it together. I really felt like I thought of it. <laughs> I was so pleased with it. I really thought I came up with it. And it's great because Baffled. it's, you know, bisexual and binder. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's the that's our app plan. We are not capable of making an app, so we're freely giving the idea away no, to anyone. We have the it. intellectual property, and if you're a tech developer, then you have to call us. Yeah, particularly if you're straight. <laughs> hey, listener, you might have noticed that there are no adverts on this podcast. That's because Life of Buy is an independent podcast supported by you, the listener. For the price of a cup of coffee or a pint of beer a month, you can get involved. We're at patreon.com forward slash life of buy. Every single donation we get thrills us to bits and means that we can think about a future of doing this podcast for longer. Maybe even one day being sustained by some art that we do. (laughs) Imagine. (laughs) Impossible. Thank you so much if you've already donated and we're excited to meet you if you're about to join us. Bye. The way Marco talks about their body mm. hard reminds me of Paul, Paul Takes the Form of a Mortal by girl. Andrea Lawler. Paul Takes the Form of a Mortal Girl by Andrea Lawler, right? Mm-hmm. It's an amazing book. If you haven't read it, listeners, it's an well, it's a sort of magical realism novel about a person called Paul who can change their body, Mm. not just their gender, but like... Everything about their body. Like their body is almost like putty and they can change it at will. Depending on who they desire or who they want to be desired by. Like a chameleon. They're a polymorphous, polyamorous chameleon. Mm. Um, And it's such a compelling idea because it's only a few shades away from... 
what sex is actually like. That's what Marco's mm. saying, right? Yeah. Because your body means different things under different hands. Yeah. And, and their body... Yeah. Different people hold their body in different ways because they're looking for different things depending on what they are attracted to. Yeah. They will find it. And that's why the novel is so clever because it's like putting this magical spin on it. Like, what if that could actually happen? So we've got a little extract for you. Paul could make himself be attracted to anyone. This was one of his virtues and one of his skills. He practised as a kid and later in life in elevators, but the game could be played anywhere one was trapped with people. The game consisted of a single question. If you had to fall in love with, by which Paul meant have sex with, one person in this elevator, who would it be? The game was best when hard, when he had to sell himself on a stranger. He sneaked evaluating looks at shoes, at jewellery, at haircuts. He searched for clues about the sort of lover each person would be. In every single person in the elevator, he looked for something he could, if not love, fetishise. That man's hands were so large, Paul imagined the hands covering his small back, pulling Paul into the man's face. That man's eyes were so blue. Paul imagined drinking cocoa at a ski lodge in the man's native country, where they conveniently would be ready for apres ski hot tub adventures. That boy was so awkward, shifting nervously and trying to cover his tented pants in math class. Paul imagined the boy's secret jerky confidence, pulling Paul's hair and forcing Paul to gag on his long, thin dick. That girl's skirt was so short, Paul imagined fucking her with his strap-on, through the leg of her panties, in the stall of the girl's bathroom at a nightclub. That man was so dirty, Paul imagined huffing his armpits while masturbating them both in the stairwell of a construction site. God, it's so hot, isn't it? <laughs> and guys, lucky you because you were just treated to a little sample of Elle's other job, which mm. is that um, they read audiobooks and sometimes erotic <laughs> audiobooks. <laughs> yeah. And you're so good at it. The and erotic. Also, it's like a kind of voice that you just don't use on the podcast. I know, it's yeah. really interesting. You just like snapped into it. You and snap I was like, into a mode. No, but yeah, that's my, the erotica one is my secret, secret side hustle. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I do audiobooks, but I'm basically sometimes a sex worker as well. <laughs> And I love it. I love reading smart so much. Oh God, it's such a hot passage. It's incredible. It's incredible. And I love it, but also because, well, what we're saying, like it, obviously Paul Paul can change in a way that my body can't. Mm. But I love this idea that attraction is something you can practice. Yeah. Because coming on to this idea of like desire and identity, like identity is sometimes something you... um consciously try and step into or 
Um, obviously you can't change who you are, but for instance, you can be like, I really want to lean into this part of my mm. identity. I'm going I'm to need mm. some butch trousers yeah, yeah. or I'm going to get my hair cut. Or yeah. there are things, there are people I want to look like that I feel on the inside that I need to rep- represent outside. Mm. And that's a sort of practice of getting closer to yeah. um, who you feel yourself to be. And I love the idea that if you can do that with your identity, that you can sort of map an element of that onto... Mm. desire and I'm being tentative here because obviously historically uh, queer people have been told put off a conversion therapy and I'm not saying <laughs> that you can control no. who you're attracted no, to no. but I'm saying that they're there it can be Mm. it's it's this it's in in this passage in particular it's this seeking of potential anywhere Mm. and that is hot it's like there is sexual and romantic promise everywhere everywhere. and i before i really resonated with this passage because i used to do it on tube carriages fuck i still do even though i'm in a relationship you know you get in the carriage and you look around and you think who who is it here who's going to be my so your game's a bit Gosh. different from Paul's because Paul's game is how mm. would I fuck every single person in yes. this carriage? And the more yeah. like initially unattractive that person may seem, the, the more they the enjoy the game, yeah. which is like, how can... What's the in? What, what's the in? Yeah. How would you access that person's like sexual potential? Yeah. Um, that's homework for everyone. That's homework. <laughs> Play the game. Play the game, guys. Wow. <laughs> it's the one with the stall of the girl's bathroom with a strap on her and nightclub, honestly. It's all knocked me Through sideways. Her panties. Have you ever, Elle, been surprised by someone you fancy? Wow. That's a good question. I'm really having to think about this because I'm sure the answer is yes. But the thing is, I fancy a lot of people, and so, yes. Yes, I probably have been surprised by someone I fancy, but I'm never surprised to fancy someone. <laughs> you know, like the act of fancying someone isn't surprising to me because I, I basically pick someone to fancy. Based why I ask this question yeah. is, can you be surprised by someone you fancy? Is I think the idea of being surprised inherently uh-huh. suggests that you have an expectation yes. of who you normally fancy. And so yeah. there to be an element of like, oh my God, you, yeah, means that like, for, for whatever reason, you just didn't expect that you would fancy this person. So what I'm saying is that I think I've not... Never had I've, that. I've not... I can't think of an example where I've been surprised to fancy someone. I don't... I really don't think I can because I'm... I'm, I'm open. I like romantic potential, sexual potential. Mm. So I'm not really... I'm not really shocked to find it somewhere. What about you, though? Uh... Yeah, I sort of, I don't think the feeling of attraction is a feeling of surprise. Yeah. All I know is that, um, which I think, I think that experience of the feeling itself proves to me that a type doesn't really exist. Yeah. I don't think we experience attraction as surprise unless it's like out of the blue, someone comes into your life and you were like, I don't know, not prepared to fancy someone. Yeah. It's but a surprise you, to meet that yeah, person. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not, not necessarily a surprise them. that it's them. Yeah. You're like, yeah. it's surprising that they're there. No, obviously your attraction changes. Yeah. I think I've like reflected on those changes. Oh, I guess my thing recently was 
Mm. This again isn't really a surprise, but on field. Yeah. When I first got field, I had the settings were women and then all the sort of like gender fluid categories. They yeah. got absolutely tons. Yeah. I had them all ticked and women. Yeah. And I was finding it useless. And then I f- turned women off. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my these God. These are my people. <laughs> these are my people. And that, I guess, was a slight surprise because I'd considered mm. myself. I don't know. This is why I've been changing also about calling myself bi. Yeah. This is a chat we're all going to have to have, isn't it? <laughs> when are we going to talk about the name of this podcast? This, this is a chat we're all going to have to have because like, yeah. labels are really unhelpful, but we did have to label the podcast because you do have to like name the content that you And it's make. a great name. And it's a great name, but like... But we're feeling... The more we do it, the more me and I are like, is this the right... Is this it? It's not really I bi. don't think it's really that bi anymore. But it sort of is. I think I still stand by what we said like way back in series one about it being like, yeah, yeah. about it being like open. We did acknowledge it, but it always feels like we should acknowledge it again. I think Mark is an amazing example of that we can be attracted to something. Yeah. Something in someone which isn't rigid. So it's not hair colour. Yeah. You might be attracted to something in someone which is like hard. You can't pin it down by looking at them. And... It's not easy to articulate, but there might be something about them which is um, in flux or in the process of change mm. or in some way, in some ways more fluid than other people you know. So say even if you're a cis, cis, cis hetero woman and you're fancying a cis hetero guy, one of the things you might find attractive about that guy is um, a sort of leaning towards a femininity that's that makes him that that you might think makes him like more loving or more gentle yeah. towards you the one thing that we do hit up against though whenever we're talking about these types of attractions is something that hyacinth mentions in their original question by me which is about the fact that conversations about sexuality hold in them the the attempt to transcend gender binaries Mm. while still using binary language to talk about attraction. And we've definitely been doing that today. That's so true. But, and, and, you know, we were doing that with Marco and Marco was doing that too. And it just goes to show how difficult it is to transcend that, that binary language. Um, Well, there's this idea of, yeah, we talked about softness and hardness on Marco's body or we talk mm. about mask and femme. There are all these sort of like, um, dichotomy set up mm. and it's really hard as we know to talk about fluidity without acknowledging yes the extremes on either side the setup that's yeah. sort of like that's sort of how it works because the trick i guess would yeah. be to dis- detach some of these associations so like softness is lazily associated with femininity mm. for instance but these things aren't necessarily connected yeah femininity becomes something so fluid it's not something that you can um pin down or really measure Mm. uh but that does make it almost impossible to talk about (laughs) without getting into like ridiculously academic language that i'm personally not capable of exactly definitely not also needs to be accessible as well (laughs) um but yeah so now we're talking about this like being attracted to a feeling of movement Mm, I love that. 
Thank you for listening to Life of Bye. Tune in next month on the 12th of December for the third and final part of our Desire Triptych. And we'll catch you before that on the 28th of November for an episode about bisexuality and food. If you liked this episode and you want us to make more, you can support us at patreon.com forward slash life of bi, where you can also suggest topics for future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so that we can achieve our dream of becoming the number one bisexual podcast. It turns out the current number one bisexual podcast has stopped making episodes, so it's a static target. We can do it, guys. Life of Bi was made, hosted and edited by L. Potter and Mary Higgins. Sound design and production by Tom Foskett-Barnes. Funded by you, the listener. And thank you to our friend Marco. I just want to say... And it ain't over till the bisexual... Spin.